never leave you or forsake you For you're my dear and precious child Why are you sad? Why do you worry? I'm always with you by your side It doesn't matter if the world should fall apart I promise to be with you through the thick and thin Remember who I am and what I've done for you I sacrificed my son to bring you home to me So trust in me, trust in me, trust in me, trust in me Yeah, because I'll never leave you or forsake you For you're my dear and precious child Now don't you worry about the future I'm gonna bring you safely home yeah. Why do you act as though I didn't care at all Why do you live in fear of what might lie ahead Don't be afraid my child I'm watching over you Be strong and be courageous I got a plan for you So trust in me Trust in me Trust in me Trust in me, yeah Oh, love is unconditional Oh, so rest assured, be comforted Oh, I will complete my work in you So rejoice, I'll rejoice I'll rejoice, I'll rejoice Yeah, because I'll never leave you or forsake you That's right For you're my dear and precious child No matter what the world might tell you We'll be together forever, forever I am the one who made the heavens and the earth Who gave you life and help in your time of need Am I not strong enough or compassionate? Or have you now forgot who and what I am? So trust in me, trust in me, trust in me, trust in me, yeah, because I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never leave you or forsake you I'll never leave you or forsake you All right, good evening. Could you turn your Bibles to... Oops. I won't just see that yet. <laughs> turn your Bibles... Good evening. Turn your Bibles to Romans 15, verse 14. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. And I'm losing this coat. 
Hey, a uh, couple of prayer requests I need uh, for you guys to keep in prayer. I have uh, Diana's son, Billy Kent. He's got a spot on his lung, so if you guys could all keep in prayer him. And uh, so they haven't found out yet exactly what's going on. So keep him in prayer and the doctors and nurses that will be treating him as well. And the other one is, is keep me in prayer because... I got a I got a job interview at, at a golf course part time uh, golf at a golf course. Where else would I go? <laughs> so I got a, and the funny thing is the, the the woman I heard at the golf course. It's in Amana, and the woman at the I hope nobody's from Amana that's listening to this. But the the woman in Amana, I guess she's the the manager I got to talk to. The guys, you know, they tell me that she likes me. <laughs> so I got this one, I think, you know. So uh, that uh, if you could keep that in prayer, I haven't been on an interview in a long time, so I'm a little bit nervous about it, but we'll see. The Lord's with me. All right, should be at Romans chapter 15, verse 14. And as we normally do, we take a moment of silent prayer to prepare ourselves to hear the teaching of the Word of God. If there's anything that's disturbing or distracting to you, do what First Peter 5, 7 says. Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. So in the privacy of our very own royal priesthood, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you so much for gracing us out and giving us all the logistical grace blessings that we need to bring glory to you. We thank you for the food, shelter, clothing, the air we breathe, the Bible teaching, and bringing us all together here in Iowa at Prairie View Christian Church. We just thank you so much, Father, for all the answered prayers that you've given us in this ministry. We thank you for all those who are part of our ministry that have been faithful in giving of their time, talent, and treasure. And praying for this ministry, we thank you, Father, for the leadership that we have in this church. And we lift up Dale, Steve, and Doug. And we just pray, Father, for their uh, needs at this time and their families. And give them encouragement and as the rest of the ministry. And we just thank you, Father, for their faithfulness and the rest of those in the congregation. And we also thank you, Father, for, of course, more importantly, is your son, Jesus Christ, who makes it all possible, that brings us all together in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we just thank you, Father, for thinking about us in eternity past, loving us, sending your Son to the cross for us while we were yet your enemies, and raising us up and seating us with your Son and uh, while we were yet your enemies, Father. We just thank you, Father, for treating us this way, and help us to treat each other and all men like this the way you've treated us, and treating us in that impersonal, unconditional love. And Father, we also, we thank you for this building to meet here on a consistent basis, and we Thank you, Father, for those you brought in here in the chapel and those who might be listening on Pal Talk this evening on, and, and on the Internet and those who might be visiting our website and, uh, in different parts of this world and the globe and accessing that website. And also, Father, we just pray for Billy. 
Billy Kent, we just pray, Father, for Diana's son. We just pray that you would, there would be nothing serious going on with this, uh, the spot on his lung. So we just pray, Father, for him and give him deliverance and, and use this situation to bring glory to you as well, Father. And we lift up any other individuals in our ministry that are suffering, whether financially or uh, suffering in their uh, mentally and struggling spiritually and dealing with loneliness and they feel abandoned. We just pray for them. We follow, we lift up them and we just help us to be sensitive to the needs of those who in our periphery who might be in, in these situations, difficult situations. So we just pray, Father, that you would help us to be sensitive to the Spirit's guidance and direction and also do that this evening with the Spirit. We pray that the Spirit would work mightily and powerfully in and through the audience, help them to make the proper applications and, and help me, the compu- communicator, to deliver your full counsel to your people in a fashion that would be pleasing to you and minister to your people and bring glory to you and your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we pray for these things in our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You should be at Romans chapter 15, verse 14. And uh, we're going to continue our study of Romans 15. As I mentioned last evening, we're now starting to get into the part of chapter 15 where Paul starts talking about his ministry and the secret to his ministry. And we started bringing out some things about being in the ministry. Now, uh, this is a good class for pastors, and it's also, of course, a great class for everybody because we're all, whether we know it or not, we are, because we have a spiritual gift, all in Christian service, full-time Christian service. So we all have a role to play in the body of Christ. And so this is going to be, these next few classes are going to really, really help us. Last evening's class is great because he talked about, you know, we, we talked about the humility of the Apostle Paul and how he, everything that he had was given to him by God and he never boasted in his self for the things he did, but what God had done through him. He boasted over the fact that he was a servant of Christ Jesus on, uh, to minister to the Gentiles. So we see that was the, uh, the first step of, uh, is humility in, in Christian service. And so we say, now I'm going to start seeing more things about Paul and his view of his ministry and how he viewed it and how it was important to him and what he thought his role was in the body of Christ and in the, in the history of the world. Now this evening we're going to note Romans 15, 18. And in this passage, Paul writes that he would never presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through him by word and deed, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles. Now look at Romans chapter 15, verse 14. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. But I have written very boldly to you on some points, so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given me from God. That grace is speaking of his apostleship. To be a minister, here's the purpose for giving him the gift of apostleship. To be a minister or a servant, a public servant, we saw, of Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles. Ministering, he says, as a priest, the gospel of God. Why? So that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable. Now, the middle voice there, the verb may become, uh, yinoma, that talks about the, 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 the Roman believers or the Gentile believers causing themselves, it's causative, causing themselves to be acceptable. How? By obeying the gospel. And the Spirit obeyed the gospel. So by obeying the gospel, you're obeying the Holy Spirit. Or you can call the gospel the word of God. It's synonymous. So we see here that he's saying to, uh, that to be a minister, this is the purpose for which I was given the gift of apostleship, to be a servant of, the, of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles 
may become acceptable, sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, that word cues us in that the next statement in verse 17 is a result of an inference from what he said in verse 16. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, and he's talking about the fact that on the basis of the fact that I'm a a servant of Christ Jesus, it's causative there. So we could say, on the basis of the fact that I'm a servant of Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting or taking pride in the things pertaining to God. And the things pertaining to God are the things he mentioned in verse 16, which we just read. Now we see verse 18. He's going to elaborate on what he said in verse 17. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. So that verse explains specifically what Paul means when he says that because he's a servant of Christ Jesus, he possesses a feeling of pride with respect to the things which concern God the Father. So in this verse, verse 18, Paul wants to make it crystal clear that this feeling of pride is not based upon what he had done in his ministry for the Gentiles, but rather what Christ had done, what Christ accomplished through him by means of the power of the Holy Spirit. The only effective ministry, the only ministry of the pastor that's effective, that brings glory to God and results in the salvation of sinners and the transformation of Christ-like character is Christ working through the, the pastor, working through the person who's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, who's serving the body of Christ, who's serving the gospel. It's Christ, through the power of the Spirit, working through that person. That's what matters. Not who you are or what you are, who I am or what I am. Oh, the, Everything that we have, as we saw last, last evening, everything we have, our bodies, our souls, our, the, 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 the mental intellect, the intellect we have, the talents we have, the gift we've been given as members of the body of Christ, the spiritual gift we've been given, the, the time, talent, treasures that we have, everything has been given to us by God to give glory to Him, to bring glory to Him. The music, if you're a musician, it was given to you by God to glorify Him and not glorify self. Everything that we have should be used for the glory of God. And Paul knew the secret of ministry. It was Christ working in him by means of the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why I say what he's saying in this verse is very, very important because we all want, we all want to have a, a ministry and a life that counts something for God, for God. We want to have rewards. We all want that. I want that for you. I want that for me. But it, the, the secret of it is, is that we, we need to be aware that we can do nothing. We can do nothing without God. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. We are nothing but instruments in the hands of Almighty God, is what we saw at the end of the last point I, I made to, to the congregation last evening. So in Romans fifteen eighteen, Paul again wants to make crystal clear. He doesn't want to take any credit for himself. He always deflected credit away. It is not about me. If I ever did anything, he would say, it was Christ working through me. Don't, don't credit me. If I've ever done anything that counts for God, it's Christ working through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what he's teaching us in this verse. Now, when he says, I will not presume, it's emphatic because the verb there, tomao, is, means I will presume, and it's negated not by the negative particle me, but rather the emphatic negative adverb u, and it's strong. It actually means absolutely never. So, this verb, tomao, means to presume, 
And it's used in a figurative sense with Paul as its subject and its meaning is emphatically negated by, as I said before, the emphatic negative adverb, ooh, which means absolutely never. So when he says, for I will absolutely never presume. See, not is too mild for the translation. A stronger one, because the word is a stronger word than the regular negative particle me, would be, the stronger translation would be absolutely never. So we need to throw that in there because it makes a big difference in the translation, does it not? Absolutely. It tells you that the, the, the emphasis that Paul's placing on this. This is very important to Paul that we know, and very important to the reader, that we all know that Paul never boasted in himself, but only what Christ did through him and the power of the Spirit. And when it says presume, what does it mean to presume? Presume means to go beyond what is right or proper. Presumption means to, to uh, it refers to that which is unwarrantable, which is unbecoming, which is impertinent or rude boldness. That's what presumption is. So therefore, Paul's saying that to possess a feeling of pride in his ministry to the Gentiles would be presumptuous, or in other words, would, be, would go beyond what is proper or right for him to speak as a Christian, to, both, to have a feeling of pride about himself personally. It's all right to have pride and what God has done through you and your knowledge of God. So it would be unwarrantable, unbecoming of Paul as a Christian, impertinent and rude of him to the Lord Jesus Christ, since whatever he accomplished among the Gentiles was the work of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a blow to human pride. Everything about Christianity is a blow to human pride. We are, we are sinners. We all have a sin nature, including yours truly. We all have a sin nature, and we are inherently arrogant. We are inherently arrogant. We are inherently rude to God. We're obnoxious to God. Christianity tells us that. As we saw in the first three chapters of Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners in the eyes of a holy God. And that's a blow to the world. Because the world thinks that they can have some merit with God, as we saw. No one has any merit with God. It's only through the faith and the, ob- the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, it's on his merits that we can enter into the presence of God. It's the only reason. So that's a blow to human pride. Christianity, once we're Christians, nothing really changes. It's all about him. It's about his spirit, his word, Jesus Christ working through us. We're instruments in the hands of a holy God. It's a perfect example is the guitar. You know, think of me as, try to think of me as an analogy, as God. And I, I made that guitar over here. Now, God made that guitar because he wants to play it. And he wants to play what he wants to play on it. Okay? And that, 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 we are just like that guitar. And he wants to play us. Just think about, let's, you know, it, 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 It'd be like, uh, you know, and not to, and not to do what he asks us to do and not to let him, let him play us and use us as his instrument is, would be like going up to Beethoven saying, hey, hey, this is the way you should write the song. He'd be going up to Lennon McCartney and go, no, she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's got to go like this. You know, it's like going up to a genius musician and saying, well, this is the way you should write the song. This is the way you should do it. Or an artist going up to Michelangelo as he's painting the Sistine Chapel and saying, hey, <laughs> you got too many boobs hanging out up there. Okay? You know, you got, I mean, you got these guys that are too naked up here, you know, Adam and Eve and all this stuff. You know, he'd say, get away from me. You know, it, the artist 
the, 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 the creator of the art has every right to do whatever he wants with it. Same thing with us, God. We're like that guitar. We're like the, the painting the Sistine Chapel. We're his. And, if, and that's where fulfillment is for us. How many times have I said that since I've been out here? True fulfillment is being used by God. And the, the way you get... Many people don't get used by God and they don't feel like they get enough out of Christianity because they don't put anything into it. And, you know, a lot of Christians... You know, a lot of what I find with a lot of Christians is is that, you know, you're, you know, you, you've got to make yourself available. I think that's what Bob McLaughlin said. I remember years ago, a Colonel team. You got to make yourself available. If you don't make yourself available, you can't make any impact for God. So if we're all about what we want to do in life, then we're really not getting the most out of life. It's really just selfishness. We got to say, you got to say to yourself, "Am I doing? What am I doing?" Is it, for, is it for, the, for the good of Christ? Is it good for the Lord? Or is it, I'm just doing this for my own selfish interests? And you have to be brutally honest. They, I, I go through it all the time. I say, well, you know, you know I'm being selfish here. Shh, you know, take care of that attitude, Bill. So Paul's saying here, when he says, I will not presume, he says in verse 18, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. He's saying here that it would be unwarrantable, unbecoming him, of him as a Christian, impertinent and rude to the Lord since to, 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 presume that he's, to think that he's, he's the one who's done all this among the Gentiles because whatever he accomplished among the Gentiles was the work of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. The phrase to speak anything refers to certain accomplishments of the Apostle Paul among the Gentiles which he identifies in verse 19 as signs and wonders and communicating the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, look, at, uh, look at verse 19. What the heck? Oh, okay. I'm the kind of person, if I don't put the thing in the right place, I lose things, so I don't know what they call that. Whack job. So he says, look at verse 18. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. And then when he talks about the thing, uh, the uh, I will not speak of anything, that phrase is identified for us in verse 19. In the power of signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem around about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So to speak anything in verse 18 refers to that statement in verse 19. Now, when he says, except what? If you look at verse 18, for I will not presume or I will absolutely never presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, that phrase, except what? is very important. It's also emphatic. We also have the emphatic negative adverb in there, which is translated except, and what is the relative pronoun os. Now, what does that mean to us together? Well, it's an emphatic... These two words are making a contrast. They denote a strong contrast between what Paul... between Paul presuming to speak of anything he accomplished among the Gentiles in his ministry with that of what Christ had accomplished through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when he says, except what? He's making a contrast for him saying that it was me that did all this stuff with, and contrasting it with Christ. Christ is the one who did anything, did all those things among Paul. And you have, you know, one of the things that you can tell, you know, I'm sure Paul did this, and, but if you look, at your, you look at your life and you say, and you ever go back and look over your life, it's good to do, and you say, how did I get through that? How did I do that? Because I look back now and it's like, how in the world did I ever get through that and do that and accomplish that? That's the Spirit. That's Christ working in you. Because 
you're saying to yourself, that's absolute, that's, that's bizarre that I, that could, that could actually, I could have done all that or accomplished all that. It's the Spirit. Because the Spirit will allow you to do things that you never in the world dream of. The Spirit, if you let the, follow the Spirit and let Him work through you, you could, and let Christ work you, work through you, therefore, you could do mighty, mighty things. Paul was so confident, not in himself, but in God. I'm confident that, no, I know myself, I'm confident God's with me. I am so confident that God is with me that wherever I go, God is with me. And if you don't think so, join Jap on my back. I know God is with me because I'm preaching His Word. It's His Word. It's His Spirit. Okay? And it's His sanctifying power and it's His saving power that does all the work. I'm not doing anything. All I'm doing is make myself available and he, I want Him to get all the glory. I don't want, a, I don't want any glory. I don't put my name on the website. I'm embarrassed to put my name on the website. It's, it's about Christ working through me. You, you know, it's, this is the secret. And, you know, the world we live in, isn't it the antithesis? I mean, look at the world. Look at sports. I mean, how many times do you see basketball players? You know, they dunk the ball and they, you know, they're going like this. They're taking their shirt and look at me. You know, this all started with Muhammad Ali, right? At least he could back up what he, ta- he bragged about. But anyways, these guys are sitting there bragging, you know, like, it's like, you know, it's boring, okay? You know, come on, guys. You know, God gave you the body you got so you could jump up off the ground and dunk a basketball. Well, geez, that's, that's just doing so much for society. That's amazing, you know, dunking a basketball. I mean, get, a, get, a, get some perspective. It's all about, it's, it's Christ. He's the secret. Spirit. He's the secret. Working through us. Paul was totally confident that he could do anything because Christ in him. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hold your place. Look at Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Uh-huh. Look at Philippians chapter 4. I'll tell you what verse in a minute. Oh, yeah. Look at, look at Philippians 4.10. I exegeted every word in this book. I'll tell you what. And it was the first book I ever completed from, from one, chapter 1 to verse, the end of the book. I learned so much in this book. It took me six years to do it. I finished it when I came out to Iowa. I finished it in the spring of 2002, I think. But look what he says in, in Philippians 4.10. He says, now he's, one of the reasons why he's writing the Philippians is a couple of things. They encourage them. To encourage them to unity, to, you know, to unite and stop dividing over stuff. Yodi and Syntyche were fighting a little bit. And also, he wanted to thank them for a gift they gave him. They gave him a gift. And he, the Philippians, were like gracious, gracious. They called the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 8. And that Paul says that these people gave out of their poverty. I mean, they were quite a church. They were in the Balkan, Balkan Peninsula. They were the first church in Europe, is the Philippians. Now, look what he writes. He's, he's, this is part of his thank you. But he wants them to know something. That even though he got this gift from them, look what, he's, look what he says. Verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. They were always the church that looked out for Paul's interests. Paul never looked out for his own interests. He looked out for other people's interests. He was too busy looking out for the Lord's interests and people's interests. He didn't have time for him. And that's why he was so dependent upon other people taking looking out for him. Because he was looking out for everybody else. And the Philippians did that. And he loved them for it. Look at verse 11. Not that, now, look what he says. He qualifies this. Thanks for the gift, guys. But I want you to know something about me. 
He says in verse 11, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned. Notice the, the great apostle Paul had to learn something. That means he wasn't born with this attitude. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. It's hard to be content with what you have. You're always looking at yourself and saying, ah, our sin nature again. And we need, we need to learn how to be content in whatever situation God has put us in. Look at verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And look what he says. Here's the secret how he does it. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can get through anything he's saying. The secret of dealing with the circumstances, and he dealt with extreme circumstances, was knowing that I can do it through Christ can do it through me. I can't do it. I can't make it. Yeah, you can't make it. But Christ in you, you can make it with Christ in you. You can't do it on your own. You know, he learned that. He had to learn it the hard way. I can't do it. That's right. I don't want you to do it. I want me, let me do it, Paul. Not let go, let God. You let Christ work in you when you learn to be, when you obey his word, when he says to be content, when he says to be rejoicing, the spirit speaking through the word, when you obey that, that's Christ working in you. So let's say you're poor. Let's say you're eating uh, SpaghettiOs. And you say, uh, there's a choice you can make. I'm going to cry about this. I'm going to complain. Or you can say, well, I'm going to be content and rejoice with what I have. You know, just do it. Imitate the Apostle Paul. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me and the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. What a terrible thing to say about the other churches. But it was the truth, wasn't it? And, then he, and, and look what he says in verse 16. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. <laughs> wow, what a church. And it's a pretty bad thing about the other churches that they couldn't even... I mean, how much did Paul do for these people? And they couldn't even... They can't even look out for his interests. Philippians were seeking out how to help him. That is Christianity. That's what it's all about. He's seeking out, helping, doing the Lord's work, and he's looking out for their needs, their spiritual needs, and they're looking out for his material needs. As Paul said in Galatians, I, I, I sowed spiritual things among you. Don't I have the right to reap material things among you? Am I asking too much? He says that in Galatians. So, in fact, look at Galatians. Let's look at it. Look at Galatians. I don't want to jump there too much, but look at Galatians 6. I think it's there. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if it's there. Oh, well, he says in, uh, in, in look at verse, uh, look at verse six, Galatians six six. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches. He says right there. There's another passage I'm looking for, but I'll I'll, I'll figure it out later on. I don't know where it is. But go back to uh, Romans. Go back to Romans. So you know, Paul. What I want you to take away from Philippians four is Paul can handle anything. You want to God? You want to put me in a in a tough situation? I can deal with it. In fact, in the, in the Greek it means he knew how to be prosperous and he knew how to live in poverty. He's a lot stronger. So he was, a, he was quite a guy. But the secret to Paul was he didn't try to do it and face it on his own. He let God, he, he listened, obeyed God, did what he told him, and just trusted in God, and God came through for him. So, ex, when he says accept what? Look at Romans 15, verse 18. 
For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Except what? It emphasizes, it denotes a strong contrast between Paul presuming to speak of anything he accomplished among the Gentiles in his ministry with that of what Christ accomplished through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the relative pronoun, which is translated what, is, uh, it actually means those things. And it's identif- those things are identified in verse 19, as we just read earlier, as signs and wonders or what, and that the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished through Paul by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at verse 18 again. He says, For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Has accomplished is the word kategazoma. And it, it's used here with reference to, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ accomplishing uh, what he accomplished in Paul's ministry for the Gentiles by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the word is in the middle voice. It's an indirect middle, which is interesting here. It focuses on attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, when it says, for, uh, when he says, uh, uh, where is it? For uh, what Christ has accomplished through me, you could tack in for his own interests. In fact, let me show you my translation on the board real quick. That's real quick. Look at verse 18 on the board. Can you see that? Yeah, you can see that. For you see, look at verse 18. For you see, for you see, I would absolutely never presume at any time to speak of anything except with respect to those things which Christ accomplished for himself through me, resulting in the Gentiles obeying the gospel by word and action. Now, it's interesting there. That middle voice, that middle voice is important because it's telling us that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, he's trying to do something for his own interests. It tells us that we're servants. He wants to do what he needs to do, and we're to do follow along. Like I said with the instrument analogy, he's trying to do stuff for his own interest. What is his own interest? To save the world. To save as many people as he can, to get as many people to grow to spiritual maturity, to become like him as he can. That's, he's trying to do things for his own interest through Paul, and that's what he wants to do through us. He's got his own interest, and we've got to get in line with him. We have to say, okay... I'm on, I'm, I'm either, you're either with Jesus or you're not. It's an absolute. We're either, we're either with him, and you know the thing is, you know this, because at any moment we could sin and live in our sin nature, commit a sin and we're out of fellowship, now we're doing our own thing. And then when we're in fellowship, we're actually doing his will. We're, we're acting in his interests and not our own. And that's what the secret of a happy life is, is to please him. That's where true joy, to save a soul. I mean, isn't it a great thing when you have... We had these funerals and these, all these people came in and, you know, and they, they heard the gospel and a lot of these, like Diana, and now they're part of our congregation. I mean, isn't that a great thing? And then people, you know, growing up the spiritual maturity, becoming like Christ, becoming like Christ and, 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 and being a servant and loving self-sacrificially. And you see that as a pastor, you go, wow, I love that. And, 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 and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing things for the Lord. You're acting in his interest. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. Christ accomplished through me something. It emphasizes what Christ's interests are involved. So the indirect middle here of this word katagazoma, it focuses attention on the Lord Jesus Christ acting in his own interests, indicating that the Lord Jesus Christ, for his own interests, performed many actions through Paul by the power of the Holy Spirit that resulted in the obedience of the Gentiles to the gospel. Now, through me, that emphasizes that the actions that led to the Gentiles obeying the gospel were accomplished through Paul and not by him. And that he was simply an intermediate agency that Christ himself used to proclaim the gospel of the Gentiles. There is the secret to a a great ministry. 
You're not a great ministry because you have $50,000 in your checking account. You're not a great ministry because you have a bus ministry that's 50 buses. You're not a great ministry in God's eyes because you have a lot of people or you don't have a lot of people. That doesn't make anything. What makes you a great ministry is if enough people have Christ working in them through the power of the Spirit. From the pastor on down. That's a great ministry. And we know that, and we'll know if Christ is working through us in the power of the Spirit if we have the fruit of the Spirit. If we have the fruit of the Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Look at Galatians. Look at Galatians. Hold your place. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 14. Galatians 5.14 For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, because they had a lot of problems in Galatia, the church there, they were, they were really had a lot of problems. Take care that you are not consumed by one another. Sins of the tongue is what they had. But I say walk by the Spirit. Obey the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Obey the Spirit. You walk by the Spirit. Walk means your lifestyle. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't carry out the desire of your flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh, the sin nature, are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things, present tense, habitually, as a lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It has nothing to do with salvation. He's talking to believers. He's saying believers can get involved in these things. Why do you think he's given a, he gives prohibitions? Because they can get involved because they still have a sin nature. But he's saying, if you're habitually involved in these things, you have a lifestyle of these things, these are all manifestations that you're living in your sin nature. But look, he says, verse, two, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, what the fruit of the Spirit produces in our lives is love, love for God, love for each other, concern for each other, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Okay, now go back to Romans 15, 18, please. Romans 15, 18. So Paul says, For I will, as we saw, absolutely never presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me for his own interest. Then he says, Resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. And word and deed he's going to elaborate on in verse 19. We'll see that on Sunday. Resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles, that, state, uh, that phrase refers not only to, to unsaved Gentiles obeying the gospel, resulting in justification, but also born-again Gentiles, regenerate Gentiles, obeying the gospel. And remember, Paul presented his gospel in, in Romans 1.16 to Romans 15.13. This would result in born-again Gentiles experiencing sanctification and eternal life and fellowship with God and their deliverance from the sin nature, Satan and his cosmic system. So now he says, by word and deed, that this obedience came about. By word and deed, it's talking about what Paul did. 
the word, uh, the word for word is logos. And then we have the word chi, which is the translated and, and then with it we have the noun ergon, which is translated deed. It talks about words and actions of Paul. The noun logos, word, is referring to all those activities in which the Apostle Paul, on which, excuse me, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to the Gentiles through Paul by the power of the Spirit, which resulted in their obeying the gospel message. Don't miss that. When he spoke and he presented the gospel and taught the word of God, it was this Christ speaking through him through the power of the Spirit. Now think about this. When the pastor's up there teaching the word of God and the Spirit is moving through him, Christ is speaking through him. That's why Paul said to the, about the Thessalonians, we thank you because you accepted our word not as me speaking, but as Christ speaking through me. That's why when the pastor speaks the word of God and you know that you have the Spirit and you see if he's going along with the Scriptures and going with what the Scripture says and the Spirit's working through, he's convicting you and encouraging you, speaking to your heart. You know what it's like. You know that Christ is in the room. Christ is in the room. The Spirit is in the room. And that's a, that's a mighty thing. Paul knew that and he loved that. Have you ever been in this chapel and the hour just went by so fast? It's like, I think that's a little glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. Because, what is it? You lose all track of time. Because you're in the presence of Christ. Not, not so much the, it's not so much the pastor, it's Christ and the Spirit and the Father. And we're in their presence and they're amongst us. In us, we're in them, they're in us. And we are having fellowship and it seems like time stands still. That's a manifestation of the Spirit in the room. Speaking to all of us. You know, there's times I get up here, and that's why I listen to when I listen to the playbacks, I go, geez. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny when you get rebuked by your own message. I don't, I don't know if you, has anybody taught in the prep school here? Jeannie, you ever t- teach something in the prep school and you go, oh boy, <laughs> I'm guilty of that one <laughs> all the time. Or you get encouraged, or you're getting spoken to, and you, something comes out of the ear, you go, where did I get that? And I have to, I, I listen to the playback because, there's, as, as most of you know, the things in my, I only have four pages of notes. What I say in an hour is a lot more than four pages of notes. So you go, I go back and say, oh, that, that's cool. I like that. And I, I actually learn from my own messages sometimes. I get stuff that's coming through. It's like, that, where did that come from? That, I get something. And it, and, it, and it clicks in my head. And then the funny thing is, you go to passages and you go, and you weren't even thinking of going that passage. And you go, wow, that is pretty wild. Or you sing, like, you know, Keaton, you said, at that time you said, hey, that song you sang tonight, that fit right in with the message. It's like, it doesn't always work that way, but I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. And I, did, I just went like, you know, all right, I'll take this song and we'll do this. <laughs> I didn't think it, I wasn't even thinking. I was just like, yeah, I like when that happens. I like, I like to have a little bit of spontaneity, you know? And I try to be as, I try to have our, our service as spontaneous as I can. When you have Sharon in the room, you know, <laughs> you're going to have spontaneity no matter what, you know, right? Anyways, keep her, her cat in prayer. Don't ask me why I'm saying I'm getting soft in that. But look at, look at Romans 15, 18 again. He says, For I will absolutely never presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. Word there refers to all those activities in which the Lord spoke to the Gentiles through Paul by the power of the Spirit, which resulted in their obeying the gospel message. These activities would include not only communicating the gospel in writing and in person to the Gentiles, but also would include those things which he spoke as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, manifesting God's love in Paul. You know what? 
it's very important as a pastor is I think sometimes you get you get more you you reach people more sometimes just outside of the pulpit if if you can just sometimes it's better sometimes I can reach people better from behind the outside the pulpit than I can from from the behind the pulpit and it's you have through example you know it's one thing to say okay you see him teaching it is he living it and I I'll be the first guy I I mess up all the time but I I try to say I try to live it because that you know, this is what this word, he said, word and, and, and deed. He's talking about not just what he communicated in the gospel, it was his life. His life spoke volumes. I mean, what good is it if you teach a great message and you're a lousy Christian outside the pulpit as a pastor? What, I mean, you lose the impact of your message. That's why Paul said it, try to set an example of selfless love, self-sacrificial love, because he knew that was truly, that was part of his ministry, was his conduct outside the pulpit, as well, it was also his, it, both two, have, two of them have to go, go together. Teaching the word of God, proclaiming it, and your, your words and your, your actions, your lifestyle, what you stand for, what's your priorities. You know, that, that's, what, that's what makes an impact on somebody, is, uh, on a congregation, is if the pastor does that. And I, I, that's one of the prayers I hope I get better at, that I can be a better example for my congregation, because, you know, I, you know, quite frankly, you know, a lot of times I say, why doesn't God bring in somebody else here that'd be a better guy than me? For that's for sure. Because sometimes I go, what, what is wrong with you sometimes? Now, this word ergon means action, referring to the signs and wonders that Paul mentions in verse 19 that speak of the miracles the Lord performed through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. It also refers to Paul walking by the Spirit, and we read that earlier, and his exemplary Christian conduct, which would involve undeserved suffering. Ah, I think I got it. Hold, go to 2 Corinthians. We got time. 2 Corinthians, I'm going to find a passage that just blow your mind. When I read this, I go, oh my gosh, I've never suffered for Jesus. Look at, look at 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians 6.1. I think this is it. Look at 2 Corinthians 6.1. 2 Corinthians 6.1. His conduct was spoke volumes. Not only did he pe- preach a great message, but he, and he wrote great letters that we still have with us today, but his life was incredible. He was an incredible person. He was such a, he was, he, Christ truly was, he was there's Paul and then there, there's Jesus and then there's Paul. I mean, G- Paul's not Jesus, but I tell you what, there's no greater Christian in the history of the world than Paul. And one of the things, you know, a lot of Christians talk about glorifying God, but they never want to suffer. They never, we, we all are like that. We, we, all, we, we want life to be easy because that's where we are. That's our nature. But thank God he doesn't make it easy for us. He throws some bumps in the road, thumps in the night. He throws those things out there for us. You know what I'm talking about, Jody said that thing to me. Thumps in the night. Hey, and when you go through suffering and you go through it with God's power, Paul said, I can do all things that Christ that strengthens me, that makes a great impact. That's why I say... I just think Sharon Brown, and I'm not blowing smoke at you or anything, but I mean, gosh, the, the, going after this, not to embarrass you, I'm sorry, but God's telling me to talk to you. Well, you, you know, she had a stroke, and she, did she ever complain? Chris, did she ever complain? She never complains. Whenever I get down, I go think about Sharon Brown. And I say, well, she's a cat lover, that poor thing. No, I, but, you know, people, and I remember one time, you, you, we were talking one time, and I called you up, and I guess the Holy Spirit was telling me, and you were a little bit down. I said, 
you know, Sharon, do you realize how many, how many people you impacted in this ministry? You know how much, you know what you did for my family? My mother and father, I mean, my mother and my aunts, they wanted to come back out again. That was saying something. And it's you two, Chris, Chris and, and, and Sharon. And they're just amazed at what you've gone through and you never complain. And that's, I said, that's the power of Christ in her. And that's, that, that, that's bigger than any message. I could, that blows any message I have away. Is that a life that's exemplary? Never complains, thinking about others, comes to the Bible class, puts it into practice, is passionate and, and uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, zealous for the Lord. You know, I like when she gets all worked up and everything. You know, I like to stir the pot up on her and stuff. You know, and there's, you know, that is, that speaks volumes. I didn't mean to embarrass you, but so what? The Holy Spirit wanted you to hear that and everybody else. But look at 2 Corinthians 6, 1. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense, a cause for offense in anything. So that the ministry will not be discredited. You know, Paul, anytime, if, if he knew somebody had a problem, you know, in our day and age, money is a... And the pastor, a lot of people think pastors are ripping people off, and a lot of them are. So he would, if money was an issue with some people, he would say, "I'm not going to, I wouldn't, I'm not going to make it money an issue. I'm going to, I'll get a job." And that's what he did for the, with the Corinthians. Look at verse four. So that he's saying, "I'm not going to let anybody. I don't want to let money or anything get in the way of them hearing the gospel. I don't want to have that as a stumbling block." But in everything, he says, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions. In hardships, in distresses, in beatings. This is what he went through. In imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness, for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true. As unknown, yet well known before the angels. As dying, yet behold, we live. As punished, yet we, we not put, yet not put to death. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. He was poor many times. And he made everybody rich that he talked to. Everybody he came in contact. Every message. He made them rich because he had the wealth of God, the word of God. To give them. Look at he says then. In verse 9. As, not unknown, as unknown yet well known. As dying yet behold we live. As punished yet not put to death. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor yet making many rich. All as having nothing yet possessing all things. Now let me see if I can find you another one. Another passage. And I hope I can find this. Look at this. This is Paul. Go to 2 Corinthians 11. Oh, what a passage. Oh, my gosh. Your jaw drops when you read this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And look at verse, verse 16. 2 Corinthians eleven sixteen. Again, I say... Let no one think me foolish. Remember, the Corinthians, they were actually questioning his authority as an apostle. And he was really hurt by that. 
Again, I say, let no one think me foolish, but if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I also may boast a little. What I'm saying, I'm not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness and this confidence of boasting. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. And they were going after the Judaizers who were wealthy, who were, they got their, they got their degrees from seminary in, the, in, in Jerusalem, and they, they were all puffed up, and they always bragged about themselves, and Paul never did that. Look at he brags about them. This is a riot. Look, look at verse 19. For you being so wise, tolerated, tolerate foolish gladly. The foolish gladly. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. But in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness. I'm just as bold myself. He's, he's actually going to tell them to teach them something he doesn't really want to tell them. He wants to tell them how much he suffered for Christ to teach them. And he's embarrassed that he has to say that to these people. But he knows they need to hear this because he loves them. And he wants them to know that. Look at verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors. In far more imprisonments. Beaten times without number. Often in danger of death. You think you suffered for Jesus? Give me a break. Look at this. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Not smoking this, you know what. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. You think you had a bad day yesterday? <laughs> I just read this when you have a bad day. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers. Dangers from robbers. I would have committed Harry Carey by now. Dangers from my countrymen. Dangers from the Gentiles. Dangers in the city. Dangers in the wilderness. Oh my goodness, I'm sweating here. Dangers on the sea. Dangers from false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship. Through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst. Often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things. There is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. You know, one of the problems. You know, he had... A lot of churches to be concerned about. I only have to have one. I can't even imagine with this guy. It's enough stress on when you're worrying about your congregation, you're praying for them, and you see things going on, and you go, Lord, save them, help them here. And it's tremendous stress mentally. No wonder pastors become alcoholics. If you don't go in God's power, you're going to drink. I think that's what happens. If you're not going to trust in God's power, you're going to be a drunk. You're going to be a drunk and an alcoholic. Look at verse 29. Who is weak without my being weak? He identified with everybody's weaknesses. Who was led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the ethnarch under Aratas, the king was... Eratas, the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes, Damascene, excuse me, in order to seize me, and I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and so escaped in his hands. But notice that. All the stuff he went through. Oh my gosh. How did he do it? Christ in him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's saying the same thing. I can't do it. What he was able to do is supernatural. What he was able to do was supernatural. He could only have done it through Christ working in him. That's why when you go through, maybe you go through physical suffering, you go through something like Sharon did with her, her stroke, and you come through that, that's Christ in you. 
When you look back and how did I do it? How did I get through that? And how did I... Christ in you. You can do all things through Christ in you. Paul knew that secret and that's what he's saying in Romans 15, 18. That's the secret of my ministry. I'm not anything, but God can do everything. I'm weak, he's strong. I'm weak and he's strong. Look at 2 Corinthians. You're still there? Please say you're there. 2 Corinthians. Look at chapter 12. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at... Uh, bless you. And look at, uh, look at verse, uh, look at verse uh, 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, which he, he wrote about, he talked about in verses 1 through 6. For this reason, to keep me from getting arrogant, exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. He prayed three times and God said, it's not leaving you, bud. Look at verse 9. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in your weakness. So if you are in a weak weakness state, weak state and you're going through some physical thing or a financial thing or mental or, or so, uh, your loneliness or whatever is going on in your life or all three of them, all of them are together and you're getting beaten up and you're getting, you're, you, your wife left you and your kid says he's gay. I mean, whatever, whatever you're going through, when you're weak and you're, then you're strong. You're, you're, his power is perfected in our human weakness. Most gladly, therefore, he says... I will rather boast about my weaknesses. So that, why? So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why is he strong? Because Christ is now working through him. I can't do it, Lord. Don't worry. Step aside. I'll do it. So, you can, uh, I don't have to go back there, but in Romans 15, 18, I go back there. We'll close. Romans fifteen eighteen. He says in Romans fifteen eighteen. Hopefully you had held. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. Those two words, by word and deed, are instrumental means, and that indicates that Paul would never presume at, to, at any time to speak of anything except with respect to those things which Christ accomplished through the Gentiles among the Gentiles, through Paul, by means of word and action. So Romans 15, 18, and the other passages we just read this evening, Philippians 4, 13, I think it was, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11, all these passages, Romans 15, 18, they all reveal that Paul understood deeply what the Lord taught his disciples in the vine and the branches metaphor in John 15. And we'll close with this. John 15, 5, the Net Bible Translation. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me has fellowship with me, and I in him bears much fruit. Character of Christ. Because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. And that's the secret to Paul's ministry, and that's the secret to all of our, Christ, uh, all of our Christian service and Christian ministry. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to study your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit would do a mighty work here this evening and speak to the hearts of their, your people. Give them instruction, encourage them, rebuke if necessary, in love. And we just pray, Father, that this would, uh, class would go a long way for making, uh, to advancing us to spiritual maturity, to grow up to be like your Son, Jesus Christ. We also pray that the fellowship after would be guided and empowered by the Spirit and give us traveling mercies on the way home for those in the chapel. In our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.